Okay, people, it's another edition of Just for Sport here. Jamoke okay, Davis. Uh, we're on the Props Network, everybody. Streaming live this morning on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope you've been enjoying, been enjoying the Props Network content that we have for you, including the walk-on with Joe Walkowski. I miss that guy now that we don't have basketball to talk about, but I know that he is relishing his role as the host of that show. Uh, we got a great show for you here, too, this morning. A lot to talk about. We're going to talk World Series. Yes, the Los Angeles Dodgers, a team I said would be in the World Series, are taking on the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that I hope would be in the World Series. But I was really worried about those uh, Houston Astros somehow finding their way, uh, yeah, into the World Series. Oh, boy. However, here we are. I am ready to go this morning. We're also going to talk some college football, as I promised. As I promised, I would bring on someone to talk college football, and I reached all the way back to my alma mater and a wonderful gentleman by the name of uh, Ben Bobek, who will be coming on to not just talk about college football, as he has done for WPTS Radio and Pitt News, but I wanted to talk about Pitt so I said, what better place to talk about Pitt than to go back to my alma mater where I used to be the sports director at WPTS, you know, kind of like paying it forward, so to speak, and, and give him a platform to talk about uh, his profession and his thoughts on, yeah, college football. Here we go. Okay. We've got uh, even more to talk about when it comes to the NFL and where I think uh, what team is the best undefeated team in college, in the NFL. And the reason why I bring that up is because uh, in many ways, uh, I am unsure of what I think about college football and the NFL and where it's going and who is the shall I say, the top team in the NFL without adding in my bias or the team that I have, the team that I have been watching over the past uh, few months and, and really years as, as I like to talk about that. Uh, my wife is from Pittsburgh. So yeah, watch a little bit more of the Steelers, so we'll get into the Steelers, but also talk about the other two undefeated teams in the NFL, in the Tennessee Titans and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and, well, of course, I've got my sports you may not know about, but you need to know about or you should know about. Uh, but first, let's start with the World Series and Game 7. I watch Game 7. And it was the first game seven in a long time that I really just enjoyed watching. I enjoyed watching baseball. And the reason why I enjoy watching baseball in many ways, for better or for worse, had nothing to do with the baseball game and had everything to do with like, so for many years, I I worked, uh, I shouldn't say for many years, many years ago, I worked for the Braves. And so I remember the times of uh, before they moved into this new stadium. And I always wanted to, how shall I say, uh, I rooted for them. And I wanted them, I wanted them, the, I wanted the best for them, I guess is what I'll say. I wanted the best for the Braves. Any team that I've worked for, it, it really meant, you know, it holds a place in your heart. And to see the Braves in a game seven when they were up, They were up three to one in that game. I just couldn't believe that 
two teams were on different sides of the spectrum as I'm watching the Braves Dodgers yesterday. And it was a really good game. Atlanta was plus 137. Dodgers were minus 157. The over-under was eight and a half. It went under. Um, but I was just torn. And so I was both game sevens. I really didn't want to watch from a perspective of I get nervous when I watch games. I don't know how how you all get nervous, but you know, it's like I picked the Dodgers to make it to the World Series, but to see the Braves there was like kind of close to my heart as a team that there is a history for me. Um, and then with Tampa Bay in Houston, if you ever watched this show, there's a history there, but there's no personal connection, so to speak. I just dislike the Astros. Of course, I'm happy that the Nationals beat the Astros to win that World Series title. I was there watching that Game 7 in D.C. I wasn't in the stadium, but I, the parking deck next to that stadium overlooks the outfield. And the parking deck is open to the general public. So I went up to the top and watched Game 7 from the top of the parking deck. So I felt like I was in the outfield. But I digress. So, of course, I wanted Tampa Bay to win. And I wanted either the Dodgers or the Braves to win. So I watched the game with trepidation yesterday, and it was just great. The top of the order delivered in the first. Asuna Jr. gets on base, still second. Freeman with the walk. Ozuna with the RBI single. And the Braves went up 2-0 early. You know, two young pitchers in Ian Anderson and May for the Dodgers. You know, the Braves were, you know, the Dodgers came back and, and ended up tying it up. And the Braves getting out of a bases loaded jam. Like it had all of the drama. All of the drama. And then Mookie Betts with one of three of his amazing catches in, in the NLCS. In but to rob Freddie Freeman of a home run that would have put the Braves up. And then Cody Bellinger with the game-winning home run and the way he just kind of stood there and watched it uh, as it went over the outfield wall, really into the bleachers. And, and the Dodgers win. They come back from a 1-3 deficit to win game seven and beat the Braves 4-3. to three. It was magnificent. It was just, it was just, it was a beautiful series between these two teams, and I'm sure it was just heartbreak. Heartbreak for the Braves to lose the way that they did. Urias is 2-0 in the NLCS with a 1.13 ERA. And then Martin, who gave up that home run to Bellinger, takes the loss. But the Dodgers are moving on. And so are the Rays. They won game seven, four to two. That was amazing to watch. But Tampa Bay scored two runs in the first inning and then tacked on another in the second. Houston scored two, or they tacked on another in the, in the sixth, so it was really four to zero. And then Houston tried to make a comeback, but they just couldn't. I didn't watch that game. I didn't watch a single Houston playoff game. And I'll get to my thoughts on the Houston Astros a little bit later in the show. Um, I've got some thoughts on that um, that I wanted to share with you that may open your mind about the Houston Astros and the cheating scandal as well. So I um, hope you will continue to watch when we get to that portion of the show. Of course, can, you can join the chat if you're watching here on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook. You can join the chat. And uh, yeah, we've got the chat right here. And it's, um, it's now exciting because I can watch the World Series, which starts on Tuesday. And it doesn't include the Astros, which, as I said, is a big deal for me. 
And now we've got Dodgers Braves coming up on Tuesday, eight o'clock from uh, Texas, not Houston. They're playing in Arlington, Texas. So that'll be fun to watch. And so as I think about that World Series, it's the juxtaposition of the two teams that I find most interesting. And the juxtaposition starts with the payroll. The payroll of these two teams. The Tampa Bay Devil Rays payroll If you believe it, the payroll is only a fraction of what the payroll is for the entire, for the Dodgers. The entire Tampa Bay Rays payroll is $28.3 million. And it's an interesting tweet that I saw from Darren Ravel that the prorated payroll, you know, because obviously you only play 60 games and then the playoffs. The salaries of Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, and Kenley Jansen is more than the entire Tampa Bay Rays payroll. That's $32.3 million. And here you have the odds, the Dodgers at minus 190 and the Rays at plus 160 to win it. Most of the money is going towards the picks are going towards the Dodgers. And that's expected. That's expected. But I feel like there is the David and Goliath um, story here, if nothing else, just with the payrolls. And so I'm trying to think, what team do I find most interesting, so to speak? The Dodgers, who have the second highest payroll in Major League Baseball behind the New York Yankees, or the Tampa Bay Rays, who have found a way to win with, some would say, lesser talent, if nothing else, based off of the salary. But realistically, you've got a team who has scraped and, cl and clawed and you know, really like we talk about, they're the underdog in more ways than one. You know, you've got L.A. versus Tampa. Which city would you feel like is the city where you say, I want to live? The glitz and glamour of L.A. versus Tampa Bay, the warm, sunny Florida city that hosts a lot of Super Bowls. And now as Tom Brady, so there is a little more cachet with Tampa Bay. Gronkowski's down there too, but LA just has it all. They've got the stars. But here you've got a, a, a gritty team in the Tampa Bay Rays who not many people, I mean, how many players can you name from their roster? I can barely name players from their roster. You go down their order. And it's hard to find a player that you even really know. I can't, I'm, I'm saying that I can't name most of these players. I don't know who these players are. Never really watched them. But they are young stars in the making that have gotten it done and they are in the World Series, and I'm happy for them. The one player I do know, Charlie Morton, he's been around for a while. But I'm going to enjoy watching these younger players and this younger team and the team with the lower payroll going up against the juggernaut and the Dodgers. There's so many storylines. It's, it's just going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. Next up, we're going to talk NFL. But first, if you're going to bet on the NBA, if you were going to bet on the NBA bubble, as you have done with me, 
And now you can bet on the World Series. Now you can bet on the NFL. Then why not get some bonuses? Get Visit thepropsnetwork.com and find out about all the deals running at the top U.S. online sportsbook. Like right now at PointsBet, their score first insurance. If your NFL team scores first but loses the game, you can get your money back in free bets up to $50. This is just one of the sportsbook deals that you could miss out on if you don't stay tuned to TPN. So check us out at thepropsnetwork.com and never miss a bonus. Remember, it's 21 and over to bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So we're looking at the NFL now. And the thing I'm enjoying most about this season, it's not just the fact that we have football. I don't know if it's that with each major sport that comes back that we are having uh we're getting back to more of a sense of normalcy. That doesn't necessarily seem fair for me to say that, especially with the cases of the coronavirus spiking. But I always kind of wondered um, how football would go through a season dealing with the virus. In COVID-19, um, there have been more infections. As the season has gone on, uh, games postponed. But every Sunday, we're watching football. And yesterday, I was watching the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. And on a side note, the funny thing about that is um, some of my friends, um, as I mentioned before, I did friends that work in sports. And one of my friends, uh, we were talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears game. Um, and my son was sitting next to me. And he said, who's winning between the Pirates and the Seas? And so I did a little experiment uh, as my friends were like, hey, see if he, how many teams he could name. So he called the Cleveland Browns the helmets. That's all he could come up with was the helmets when he saw the orange helmet. And I said, okay, that's what we've got. We've got the helmets. So I watched the helmets and the Steelers, or we watched the helmets play the Steelers yesterday. And between that game, because you had uh, a lot of drama with Cleveland and Pittsburgh, uh, it's always had some sort of drama. Uh, I think the AFC North is, you know, probably ha has arguably some of the best rivalries. But the games I was looking forward to the most was Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Tampa Bay, Green Bay. Those were the teams that I wanted to see more than anything. And so I'm watching that game yesterday and I'm thinking about as the game is ending that the Steelers are 5 and 0. It's their first 5 and 0 start in franchise history and the first since the second, excuse me, 5 and 0 start first since 1978. Uh, and their 38-7 to seven win over the Browns. And I started to see stories about it was also the Steelers' first win against a team with a winning record. Coach Tomlin said, quote, that was varsity ball today. They stepped up and stepped up big all across the board talking about his team. But is it fair to say that they haven't played a team with a winning record until Sunday's game versus Cleveland as a knock on their undefeated record. I mean, you play the schedule you're given, you should win the games you need to, and how can we take away from a team that's undefeated? 
because then I look at Seattle and three of their games were close games that they had to win on the last second of a play. So then I wonder, okay, well, what about that? They won at Atlanta, which Atlanta technically should have won that game. Some say they blew that game. They beat the Patriots. Again, that was a close game. The Cowboys was a close game. The Dolphins, they didn't necessarily play well again, but they still won. That's the bottom line. And it took a fourth down play for them to beat the Minnesota Vikings. They beat the Minnesota Vikings 27-26. So I just, I was wondering, okay, so what does that say about these undefeated teams? And can you say one is better than the other? And I don't know if you can. I mean, the Titans, I don't even know what kind of team the Titans really are. I mean, it's amazing. They beat Houston in overtime, took overtime to beat Houston 42 to 36. Houston is one and five on the season. And Tennessee has dealt with several issues with the coronavirus. And they had their game with the Buffalo Bills moved and postponed and know we're going to play it this week. And they came out with very little practice. And they handed it to the Buffalo Bills a week before the Houston Astro, uh, Houston Texans. Man, I almost called them the Astros. And so it was like, well, wait, what kind of team is the Tennessee Titans? They are playing very well, which is amazing. Ryan Tannehill, who the Miami Dolphins didn't think was a franchise quarterback, goes to Tennessee, and they're playing great. I am, I am amazed. But if I look at the teams and I say, and, and, and hear me out here, so I'm, 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 I'm in my head trying to say, okay, who is the best team in the NFL right now? And, and you're pairing it down to the top teams that are undefeated. And I look at the pedigree of the teams and I say, I'm going to rank Steelers one, Steelers one, Seahawks two, Titans three. That's my power ranking. And the reason that I go with that power ranking is I look at the pedigree of the franchise. And the Steelers have proven over a long period of time the type of team that they are. And right now they are the best team in the AFC. They are plus 900 to win the Super Bowl. Then you have the Seahawks, who if you look at the betting lines, the futures, they have the Seahawks at plus 800. But I think the Steelers are the better team if you played them head-to-head. And actually, they have played in the aughts. Since the 2000s, these two teams have met in the Super Bowl. And then you have the Titans at plus 1,400. But I'm going to put the Steelers ahead of the Seahawks as the best undefeated team in the NFL right now. And I enjoyed watching that game yesterday. They handed it, handed it to the Cleveland Browns. On offense and defense, when Mika Fitzpatrick intercepted the greatness that is 
Mayfield at quarterback and ran it back for a touchdown. Score was 10-0. I was like, this game's over. But I enjoyed every minute of it. It was a wonderful game. Now, the sad thing is I do feel bad for Devin Bush. He is done for the season, according to NFL.com and sources saying the inside linebacker suffered a torn ACL. Uh, Pittsburgh is thin at that position, the inside linebacker, and he was their defensive play caller. And now he's done for the season. So it'll be interesting to see what they will be able to do as a team on the defensive end and how they adjust. And they seem to play well when Devin Bush obviously went out in the second quarter and the game went on and, you know, they, they handled the Browns as was expected. The other game I watched, as I mentioned, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Green Bay Packers. And they also scored 38 points. And Green Bay scored 10, which was a shocker to me. Green Bay actually scored first, going up 10. And then Tampa Bay scored 38 unanswered points. 28 in the second quarter, 10 points in the third quarter. And it was really over by halftime, in my mind. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were rolling. And Gronk scored his first touchdown pass. So, of course, that was quite exciting for Gronkowski and the Buccaneers and all of the fans down there, they're excited to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at four and two and beating a four and or undefeated at the time, Green Bay Packers team. And the Buccaneers are for real. They're not undefeated, not undefeated. They lost that first game to the Saints, but realistically, I'll give it to them. I'll give it to them. That was the first game of the season. The loss to the Bears, I don't know. The Bears aren't really a strong team in my book to be a team you'll see in the Super Bowl. So that was a interesting loss, to say the least. To say the least. All right, coming up, we got Ben Bobeck, sports director WPTS, and a writer for the Pitt News. We're going to talk Pitt football, of course. But we're also going to get into some college football. But first, this quick read. Okay, people, it's time to have a serious conversation about your bookies and illegal offshore betting sites. You can get rid of them now. Cut ties. Legal sports books have a better user experience, more promos, bigger signing bonuses, and you know your money is safe. Where do you find a legal sports book in your state? At thepropsnetwork.com. The Props Network only ranks regulated U.S. sports books. And it's also where you'll find the best available available bonuses to start using them today. Plus, you'll get great content from media pros like me on Just for Sport. All right, I don't know if I'm media pro, but I try. I try. So when legal sports betting comes to your state, make sure your first stop is the propsnetwork.com. Remember, it's 21 and over the bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Okay. Joining me now, here we go, Ben Bobeck. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I like um, all the things you've got behind you. It reminds me of my setup. I see you've got your press passes. you got your Stanley Cup champion. Of course, uh, of course. You. I should have worn my Stanley Cup championship ring. I have to show that <laughs> maybe next yeah. time I have you on. And your pit panther banner behind you how you doing i'm doing great how are you on this beautiful monday morning good good i'm sure for a college student you're not always up at nine no. morning so i appreciate it no well i had to i had to disguise the corner of my room because you can't see the rest of it <laughs> that's understandable hey that's what we all do uh in in i have my makeshift studio here i'm disguising stuff but hopefully it'll be done soon let's first start um, with what you think is the most impressive win from the weekend. You covered college football. You obviously follow Pitt. 
Florida State upset number five UNC, Clemson 73 to seven win over Georgia Tech, or Alabama, number two ranked team in the country, besting Georgia 41 to 24. And they were the number three ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Well, first of all, I mean, all three performances were incredibly impressive. You, you're able to put up 73 on any team in conference play, even if it is Georgia Tech that's still going through that major transition, going away from Paul Johnson and that triple option offense. You have to, you know, kind of be mind-boggled at, at the performance that Trevor Lawrence and the Tigers were able to put up. But what stands out to me is the performance that Mac Jones and Alabama put up against that Georgia defense in the second half. They're losing by three at halftime. You know, Georgia had a great first half. Dogs plus six looked great at halftime, but all of a sudden, you know, Alabama, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, that offense is just so explosive. You know, we've talked a lot in the past about SEC defenses. You know, Georgia, one of the best defenses in the country. They've never given up offensive performances like this in the last, you know, basically decade. I mean, the last time they gave up this many passing yards was to Jared Lorenzen, the hefty lefty, the round mound of touchdown. <laughs> Rest in peace. 528 yards for Kentucky back in 2000. Wow. Matt Jones had 417 the other night, four touchdowns. Two to Devonta Smith, one 90-yard one to Jalen Waddell. I mean, that Alabama tied offense, explosive. You look at the 60 they were able to put up last week against Ole Miss and that, you know, sieve of a defense. Then they come out and they put 42 up on the nation's top defense in pretty much every metric across the board in Georgia. It's 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 eye-opening. I mean, there's a reason Alabama is the number two team in the country. Georgia will likely stay at number three. I haven't checked the AP rankings because you know, that's a whole other debate we can get into, you know, when it comes to ranking teams that haven't played yet. But Georgia, they're the number three team in the country. You know, you put up 42, you put up 21 unanswered points in the second half. That's that's eye-opening. That's going to make you stop and think, look, this Alabama offense can do that to anybody. They are an impressive team, and especially, you know, there was talk of Nick Saban possibly not even being on the sideline. He tests positive on Friday and then by Saturday or yeah, by Saturday, right? He had yeah. three negative tests and then he shows up on the sideline. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he inspired that team. How, how is a team like Clemson in some ways overlooked when you think of as a juggernaut with yeah. Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback. But yeah. I just feel like they will just never get the respect that Alabama does, even though they basically what they're they're the defending champs. But I mean they, you know, was it two championships in the last five, four years now? You know, they got pretty close last year, just got steamrolled by Joe Burrow and a really great, I mean you talk about great SEC offenses what LSU and Joe Brady were able to accomplish last year, much of a fall off this year. You can see after those two guys departed uh, Baton Rouge. When it comes to Clemson, Dabo Sweeney has been able to kind of work his guys up over the disrespect they've gotten in the national media because of weeks like this. When you go in, you do your job to the utmost degree against a conference opponent in Georgia Tech. You put up 73 points. You allow seven, and you're still getting talked about. You're still getting overlooked because of what Alabama did in a top three matchup, and that's just simply the nature of the ACC. You know, as a Pitt fan, as somebody who follows the ACC incredibly closely, it's a little bit disheartening, but I think on paper it just means more for the SEC, and that's just the way it is right now. You know, you look at what everything, you know, Sweeney and Lawrence have been able to accomplish down in Clemson. It's impressive, but – the fact of the matter is it's always going to be overlooked in favor of a solid Alabama performance just like that. You already mentioned Pitt in the ACC. I am despondent as what at what has happened to Pitt football. They started 3-0, cracked the top 25. I was getting excited. And then they lose three in a row, two games by one point, and they're playing Notre Dame next. The, I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. What is happening with Pitt football? I mean, isn't that the isn't that the thousand dollar question? Um, you know, when you look at Pitt, this was a season with so many expectations. You returned ten starters on defense. 
you know, minus your All-American defensive tackle and Jalen Twyman, who opted out to prepare for the NFL draft. But you have, you know, two veteran safeties and Damar Hamlin, a fifth-year guy in Paris Ford, one of the top-ranked safeties in the upcoming NFL draft. You know, you have a, a an All-ACC defensive end in Patrick Jones. You know, the defensive line is incredibly deep, even with the loss of Twyman. And you have your fourth-year quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who would have gone into last week's game leading the nation in passing yards, but was held out with an ankle injury that we don't know, you know, how how long he's going to be out for for that. You know, when you look at Pitt, the performances just simply have not been up to their standards so far. I mean, you know, Coach Tomlin over with the Steelers talks about how the standard is the standard. And so far, the standard has not been there for the Panthers. You talk about how they've gone four and two against the over this year. They gave up four overs all of last season. They've allowed 30 points in three straight games. Like you mentioned, those two one-point losses to NC State and Boston College before going up against De'Ara King in Miami, which, by the way, I thought the defense looked great against De'Ara King except for three plays. Mm-hmm. You talk about the two you know, 30-yard touchdowns, the first one to Cameron Harris, the one to the tight end, who, the backup tight end because Brevin Jordan wasn't even playing. You let him on a free release out of the backfield and just basically running as wide open as you can get. Besides those three plays, De'Ara King wasn't able to accomplish anything. He was pretty much limited on the ground. He had to rely on his passing game, which is not his strength. I thought the defense did a very good job of limiting De'Ara King, except for three big plays, which turned out, of course, to be the difference. And by the way, Pitt opened as a 10-and-a-half dog to Miami last week. They got up to 13-and-a-half after it was announced that Pickett was out. They lost by 12, so... <laughs> hope, hope you got that line early if you Miami. were on if Miami. you were on Miami. <laughs> but the the other big thing for for Pitt when it comes to you know why they haven't performed up to standard, and it is a lot of it comes down to injuries right now. When you look at the fact that they have given up you know ninety plus points over the last three games, they're without their top cornerback in Damari Mathis, who is out for the season with a non football related injury, uh, and cornerback was it was a position of strength with Mathis and his you know starter on the other side of the field Jason Pinnock but without Mathis the, the a lot of the lack of depth at that position for Narduzzi for coach Narduzzi and you know that aggressive style that man-to-man style of defense he wants his cornerbacks to play it's going to get exposed because now you have you know a guy in Marquez Williams the backup who comes in has a great game but beyond him and Pinnock there's not much you have a couple true freshmen you have you know, one redshirt freshman who got a little bit of playing time and A.J. Woods against Miami. But the depth, like it is on the defensive line and the linebacking court, it's just not there at cornerback. And those guys are playing a lot of snaps. And against NC State, against Boston College, you could see the tiredness. You could see that really start to get exposed against some of these teams' passing offenses. Okay. Uh, let's see if they could turn around against Notre Dame. I don't know. Uh... It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's minus. These, these two teams always play close. Yeah, Notre Dame is minus nine and a half now, over under at 50. We'll see where that line changed. We'll get your predictions in a minute here. But first, let's talk about the fact you want to talk about exposure. Uh, fans, season ticket holders are going to be at Pitt football games starting with the Notre Dame game that's coming up next, October 21st, and then November 21st against Virginia Tech. That's so far away. We don't know what will happen there. But Will you be at that game covering it as a, a a media member, so to speak? What are your thoughts on fans being allowed back into the stadium? I will not be at the Notre Dame game. I will be at the Virginia Tech game for senior day. Um, you know, 5,500 fans allowed in because, you know, the 7,500 uh, capacity does include, you know, the players and the coaches and all the support staff. You know, I think they're letting in something close to a thousand students. I got an email the other day asking me to apply for for tickets. I haven't decided. <laughs> I have to. I think I have till five p.m. today to decide. So I might just flip a coin and see if we end up, you know, trying to trying to see what happens, just to you know get in one more game before I before I head out of here. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I mean, I know. Uh, you know, the way they're doing it is you're with one or two other students and, you know, you're spaced out in that south end zone where the Panther pit normally is. And 
it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see you know whether any sort of semblance of a home field advantage is able to kind of push Pitt a little bit more towards that home field advantage in what's going to be a huge game against a top five Notre Dame team. Yeah, um, I you know in all of my years uh, at Pitt, I never went to a game as a fan. I always went as a media member covering the covering the Panthers. That's all I did. So. I would love to say I was in the zoo. I'd love to say I was in Panther Pit, but just never really did it. Your thoughts in general, because you're saying you're waiting until five to decide if you're going to try to get tickets. Is that something that you think about with college football in general and the COVID-19 and the potential for it to be not a, I guess, a super spreader, so to speak? Yeah. Or is it just that, you know... I don't know if I want to go to the game. Cause, I mean, but it is Notre Dame. This is the game I would want to go to. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 the tough choice is, you know, this is this is the game you want to go at. But, you know, if Pickett's not playing again, is it going to be another tough game? Do you really want to risk it to go sit through that? I mean, you know, talk about what's wrong with Pitt. The offensive play calling under offensive coordinator Mark Whipple is just incredibly painful at times. Man. You know, when you look at some of the decisions to, to run for it on – you know, second and 15 and just not very aggressive uh, attacking offensive style, which, you know, you think you have a guy who's leading the country in passing yards, you're going to be able to throw it downfield. Not as much as you would think with this offense. So, you know, whether people actually want to sit through that, that's the choice they got to make. That's the choice I got to make, I guess. You know, but, you know, looking at the bigger picture, I think it's interesting, especially with the Big Ten coming back this week. I think so far, you know, you talked about Nick Saban, how he was able to test positive on a Wednesday and he's back coaching on the sideline that weekend because of a new rule the SEC put in where if you take three, you know, asymptomatic tests and you're negative, you're cleared to go. Um, I read a very interesting article where it turned out they put that in place, you know, I think 10 days before Saban tested positive because of an A&M women's soccer player who had some random positive test that turned out to be close to a false positive. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for the most part, college football has done a decent job when it comes to, you know, management of, of the spread of this disease. You know, I would probably go out on a, little, on a limb and say a little bit better than the NFL, just because of the mm -hmm. problems that you talked talked about earlier, excuse me, when it comes to the Titans and the Bills and what we saw with the Patriots, um, you know, especially if you're looking at the ACC, you know, they built in so much flexibility to the schedule where you saw Virginia Tech and Virginia in the Commonwealth Cup week one pushed back because Virginia Tech had an outbreak. They were able to reschedule that, no problems. They built in an open week December 12th when the conference championship game was scheduled. They scheduled the conference championship date on two dates the 12th and the 19th of December. So they were able to move that back and create an open week for any postponements. The Big Ten, that's going to be the big question because they're going to play eight games in eight weeks before the conference championship. And if there's any postponement, there's any cancellations, there's anything close to an outbreak, that's going to be a major issue for scheduling, especially for a team like Ohio State that needs all of those eight games to prove to any potential committee that they are a playoff team. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it's... It's going to be interesting. I do think that college football has found a way to make it through a season when I know two months ago, I was like, there's no way they're playing. I mean, we remember when the ACC said, hey, we're not having football. And like, oh, no, we're going to play football. What has it been like for you? You're the sports director at WPTS. I used to be the sports director at WPTS. Uh, I never wrote for the Pitt News. You write for the Pitt News. What has it been like for you? When you look back on your career there covering pit sports, and I hope some of those uh, media credentials behind you are not just for covering pit sports, but that you, like myself, got into Steelers training camp. I was invited to cover Steelers training camp. I did a, a soccer match, a friendly soccer match, and covered a couple of Pirates games as well. Yeah, not as much outside of Pitt. Haven't gotten down to the Steelers yet. That's on the list. Uh, did a little work over with the uh, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in the USL, which was very cool. You know, up and coming team, a very good playoff team. 
can't really advance in the playoffs, but that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother discussion. I mean, two years in a row, basically winning their conference, but you know, no yeah. playoff wins. Um, but it's, it's certainly been a challenge and I have to give an incredible shout out to, to the staffers at the station, you know, all the other directors, all the other people that work with me on my staff, they've just been absolutely incredible, you know, wearing their mask in the station, disinfecting and cleaning every piece of equipment they touch, you know, learning and becoming more comfortable with using the call in line and the phone, because we can only have, you know, up until today only can have two people in the studio at the same time. And so, you know, when it comes to our, you know, four or five person football studio broadcast, it's been a challenge. You know, we're a station that is afforded the incredible opportunity to cover every pit football game on site, home and away. You know, we have our booth at Heinz, but we're accustomed to traveling to away games and, you know, being able to bring our great coverage, you know, from wherever pit is going. And that's not something we're doing this year because of restrictions, because of, safety for for our staffers and so what we've had to do is adapt our coverage change our coverage you know do more of a kind of studio style um for the last three or two weeks um you know obviously we'll be back to our normal stuff with notre dame at home this week but you know with the way Pitt's schedule shaped out i mean uh you know five straight home games to begin the season and then only two down the road it was certainly interesting to have that time to adapt to being back on as close to a normal uh, normal schedule as possible before we had to shift. Um, but, you know, we'll see what basketball season looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's certainly been a challenge because what we at WPTS pride ourselves on is, you know, we're not just football and basketball focused. You know, we want to talk about pit soccer. The soon-to-be number one ranked in the country men's soccer team just came off a huge top five win over Virginia last night. Shout out to them. Shout out to the women's soccer team, which has had an incredible season. Of course, the three-time ACC champion volleyball team. These are the teams that we specialize in. These are the teams that we want to talk about as pit students. And that's been so much harder for us this season because – you know, due to restrictions, we can't get into those stadiums. We can't get um, in. We've still been able to have a couple great interviews with players and coaches from those teams. But, you know, it's definitely been a challenge. It's definitely been uh, something we've had to adapt to. But, you know, again, my staff has just done such an incredible job at, you know, adapting and learning on the fly. What's the most exciting game that you have covered in your time at Pitt? Well, I'll give you two, both from last season. Uh, Pitt, Penn State, I think, yeah, here it is, right there. Ah, there we go. There is, right oh, there. yeah. Uh, I, got, I, I don't like to keep that one in front just because it is, you know, blue and white nittany colors. Yeah. Um, so I kind of tuck it into the back a little bit there. Um, but, you know, that game, the 100th edition of that classic rivalry, um, you know, whether Narduzzi should have gone for it on that fourth and one from inside the goal line where, you know, Kessman mixed, missed the kick. Mm-hmm. We can debate that at nauseum, but it was such a great game. Um, you know, so cool to be down in Happy Valley and experience that atmosphere at the Creamery. A little bit overrated, but, you know, still pretty good ice Ooh, cream. Overrated. Wow. Okay. I, I said Not what I Dave said. And Andy's, huh? I said what I said. Um, but, you know, the getting to go to the bowl game last year at, uh, at Ford Field in Detroit, the, the Quick Lane Bowl was really a great experience as well. Um, you know, Pitt came out a little, a little quiet against the – a quote-unquote lesser Eastern Michigan team, but I think the final was 37-34. Taysier Mack with an incredible grab in the back of the end zone for the winning touchdown. Um, fantastic game, fantastic team up there. Uh, you know, great, great hospitality, I should say, from the Lions and the Ford Field staff. It was really an awesome experience to be a part of. That's cool. Um, I, mine were uh, the Carmelo Anthony game, Syracuse came into town. The Pete was just opening. It was amazing. And uh, just watching Larry Fitzgerald in general was, was wild, but the go, my bowl game was a fiesta bowl against Utah. We got destroyed. I think the final score was 35 to seven, but that was Alex Smith who now plays for the Washington football team was a quarterback back then. Uh, that's, that, that is cool. I, I will say, if you ever talk to anybody from Penn state, please remind them no matter what year, let's not get in the years. Cause I'm sure you would say, okay, well, recently Penn state's been better. Nine national championships for the Pitt Panthers, two for Penn state. I'm just saying. 
numbers, numbers don't lie. Numbers do not lie. Okay, final prediction for Pitt Notre Dame. What do you got? First of all, I like the under. Um, you know, Notre Dame only scored 12 points last week. I think this is an opportunity for Pitt's defense to bounce back, like we talked about after giving up, you know, three straight 30 point games. I'm not sold on Ian Book is the incredible playmaker that everybody seems to think he is. Um, and, you know, with Kenny Pickett still being questionable, um, I, I think that Notre Dame's defense is, is going to have uh, a favorable matchup when it comes to Pitt's offense. But I do think that Pitt's defense will be able to clean it up a little bit and, and limit Notre Dame's offensive productivity a little bit. And the nine and a half number scares me. You know, we talk about football numbers. Yeah. If you can buy that up, to to ten and a half to ten, maybe that's something you look at. I mean, these are two teams that play, have played incredibly close. You look to the last matchup between these two teams in 2018. I think it was something like 19 to 13. Um, a a questionable, in my opinion, pass interference uh, between Dane Jackson and Mapletron Chase Claypool, the now Pittsburgh Steeler, um, on the Irish's final drive of the game. <laughs> Uh, gave them gave them the opportunity to go in and score the game winning touchdown, but that was a much worse pit team back in 2018. You know, on paper, who knows? You know, when it yeah. comes to actual performances, but you know, these are two teams. You know, you look at the history of this rivalry; they've always played close games. If you can get it up to a solid two scores at ten and a half, I do like Pitt against the spread. Okay, there you have it. Pitt against the spread. Let's go Pitt. Let's see if they'll win. Ben Bobek, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I had a great time and learned a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You did a great job. Thank All you. Right. Talk to you later. Talk to you. All right. Oh, it's always good to get some fellow Pitt Panthers on and someone who in some ways is following in my footsteps as I used to be the sports director of WPTS. Uh, and shout out to Greg Weston, who introduced me to Ben Bobek, which was really cool as well. And hopefully we can have him on more often, which would be exciting. Uh, very exciting. Uh, have a question or comment as we continue with the show. You can join the live chat on the Props Network YouTube and Twitch channels as well. So we just talked college football, and we're going to get back to the NFL. Are you betting on the NFL this season? Take some of that action to BetMGM. Why? Because for a limited time, BetMGM has a special signing bonus for the Props Network listeners. All you have to do is create a new account at BetMGM and use the code JUSTSPORT20 to get a 100% match on your first deposit of up to $500. That's right. Just enter code JUSTSPORT20 and a $500 bonus bankroll is yours. Then you'll enjoy all that BetMGM has to offer, like earning $10 free bets every week in the Money Monday Club, multi-sport parlay boosters, and the new Edit My Bet feature, which is my favorite feature, that allows players to change their bet tickets after they are submitted. BetMGM Sportsbook is live for legal betting in Colorado, Indiana, Nevada, New Jersey, and West Virginia. Try BetMGM, excuse me, try BetMGM with code JustSport20 now. So as we end the show here, um, I was, I've got my sports you may not know about and you may not care about. The Mumbai Indians in dramatic fashion lost to Punjab in the first ever double super over in the Indian Premier League. That's sports that you may not know about and may not care about. I am excited about the football today. That's right. We've got football at starting at 5 p.m. Right? You talk about pregame, you know, coverage, getting to the 4.30, 4 o'clock. Chiefs Bills at 4 p.m. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I think that... What I am most, ex like, again, I go back, like, no, we don't want to have this coronavirus, but it's thrown so many things into disarray that we're getting to see sports at odd times. 
you know, we got to see the NBA playing an NBA finals in October. You know, baseball normally is playing baseball in October, but certainly not every night you're seeing a playoff game. You know, you, you would get that day off in between as they switch cities. Well, you're not getting that anymore. Um, and so with the NFL, you're getting these early games. There was talk of maybe some games are going to have to be played on Tuesday. I mean, these teams own the stadiums. They could play whatever they, they want, technically, as long as it fits in the schedule. And obviously, they would never play like Thursday and then Sunday. But, you know, there is some wiggle room there. But I know that also goes into the television schedule as well. So Chiefs Bills at 5 and then Cardinals Cowboys at 8.15. Uh, and we'll get to see Andy Dalton, you know, as a starting quarterback for the Cowboys with the unfortunate injury of Dak Prescott. We'll see what that does to the Cowboys. And I mentioned Pitt, Larry Fitzgerald plays for the Cardinals. Um, so uh, I always root for him to do well. We'll see what happens in, in that game. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about um, as we end the show here is is anybody paying attention and i imagine that you are to who's winning the the competition between brady and belichick is anybody even paying attention to that is that a thing or am i just paying attention to it maybe it's just me but right now, in my mind, Brady's winning. The Bucs are four and two. The Patriots are two and three. And I know COVID-19 played a big role in the Patriots not being able to practice over the past two weeks as much as most football teams would like to. Um, but it just seems like the Bucs are starting to roll. As of Monday morning, I know we mentioned the four games that are going to be played tonight. Only the Ravens have scored more points than the Bucks this season so far. As I mentioned earlier, Gronk, he scored his first touchdown pass. So maybe he's, and it was a beautiful catch, by the way. Their offense seems to be starting to click a little bit more. They beat an undefeated Packers team 38 to 10, as I mentioned as well. And I know that part of it was, you know, Denver and, and the New England game was postponed twice. And I know that played a role in it, but the Patriots only managed 12 points. I wonder what's happening with them. If Cam Newton is not quite fitting into their system. Uh, and, and, and yes, the Patriots, they were scoring points before he tested positive for COVID. So I know that plays a role in what's happening here. But to see them lose to a Denver team that won on six field goals, it's just crazy. Cam Newton, 76 rushing yards, not only led the team, but they were more than any of his targets had in receiving yards. It's their first losing record since week five in 2001. 2001. That's amazing. I know the season's not over. And maybe they're going to get back to their winning ways once they get a healthy team. I don't wish this coronavirus on any team, any player. But right now, I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Bucks and Brady winning over Belichick. Brady's winning over Belichick. I hope you enjoyed the show. One last thing here as I end, if you've got a chance, I know that I've talked a lot about um, the Houston Astros and my uh, dislike for them. But I'm trying to go deeper to see if um, I can learn more about the team. So I'm listening to a podcast. If you care to also listen to a podcast, you can also listen to this podcast. Thank you for all the listeners who watch uh, here um, on our Twitch and YouTube and Facebook, but also listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Please leave a review if you listen. Hope it's a good one. But 
Ben Ryder. Check out his podcast, The Edge. He breaks down the Houston Astros scandal, and he was the writer who predicted the Astros would win the World Series in 2017. He predicted in 2014 when he did a deep dive into that uh, team, uh, and Jeff Lunau allowed him into the franchise to see behind the scenes. He predicted they would win it, and they won it that year. But, but, we all learned a valuable lesson about those Astros. And I'm learning a little bit more about that scandal listening to The Edge. So listen to this podcast just for sport and try, check out The Edge. All right, that'll do it for now. Hope you enjoyed the show. I want to thank Ben Bobek for coming on. Really appreciate it. Hope to have him on, possibly weekly. Possibly weekly. We're looking into it. But thank you very much for joining the show. Thank you very much for listening as well. Ciao for now.